Hello and welcome to this special mini-series for International Development Week. Each day we'll be looking at different areas of our work to give you an update about how the pandemic have affected these and what changes we might see in the future. And today we're speaking about sustainable livelihoods. And to help explain what this is and how the work has had to adapt, I'm speaking to our program advisor for sustainable livelihoods, Violet Ruia. Violet, thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. And we're talking about sustainable livelihoods, which is a really broad thematic area involving clean water, income generation, and food security, which you're covering. Could you tell us a little bit about how COVID has impacted sustainable livelihoods? How has it impacted your line of work? Yes, thank you very much, uh, Ben. We do know that uh, COVID has actually escalated the poverty levels of most people. And unfortunately, the most people who've been affected adversely are the very poor, the very vulnerable communities. It has meant that they've lost their livelihoods. Uh, we do know that most of the people we work with, they depend on daily labor. And with COVID hitting, it has meant lots of uh, disruptions in their incomes. Most of them have lost their employment and their daily labor. And also most of them who work or who depend on um, small micro enterprise businesses for their livelihood, it has meant that they've not had that income that they would uh, usually have because of the disruption of the supply chains. They do not have the merchandise to sell because of some of the COVID protocols. And also it has meant that more people are um, living more poorer because of COVID. It has also meant for farmers that um, in an already very threatened food security system that was in place, we know that even before COVID, that food security, the number of people who are facing food insecurity was very high. And with COVID hitting, that has escalated because it has meant that farmers cannot access markets. They cannot sell their produce in the markets because the markets are closed. Or some of the businesses that relied on uh, purchasing some of the um, produce from their farms, like restaurants, were closed. And that uh, adversely affected their income. Uh, it has also meant that for farmers, they cannot... Um, access um, farm inputs like improved seeds or fertilizer because the shops have been closed or just the supply chains has been uh, disrupted. And it has also meant that uh, in terms of nutrition that people have had to rely on food that is not very nutritious because most of the nutritious foods like vegetables in most of the developing countries are uh, transferred from the farm to the markets. And if that uh, chain is disrupted, then it has meant that accessing nutritious food has been um, a huge challenge. And with also a very low income and the high demand for some of the food that is uh, available in the market, we've seen uh, hoarding more people who have more money have been able to buy bigger stocks and the less fortunate people have had to live without and have had to make very difficult choice whether to 
to self-isolate or to go look for food, uh, which is, I think is a very difficult uh, choice. In terms of accessing water, we've also seen that there has been a strain in uh, communities where which depend on water from a water point like a borehole. It has meant that with social distancing, the queues are longer. People are spending more time uh, looking after, uh, looking for water. And it has also meant additional cost to some of the communities because they have to ensure that they provide, uh, for instance, a hand washing facility very close to the water points. And it has also meant that there has been a heightened um, demand for some of the items like soap or hand washing facilities. So all the schools have had to incur additional costs just to catch up or to increase that for because of COVID. In terms of uh, communities who do savings and loans groups, it has meant that people are not meeting together. We know the importance of people meeting together. They've had to adapt to doing virtual meetings and find different ways of adapting to COVID. And some groups have had to give loans just to cushion people during this time of COVID because they cannot invest their, their loans into business while their households do not have the basic needs met. And we know most of the countries where we work with, there is no social cash transfer uh, that would help people to cushion against some of the losses or the shocks that COVID-19 has caused. So some really complex challenges there, Violet. Thank you for sort of outlining what, what those are. Some of the ways that you're working now with project managers and coordinators and others who are involved in our projects. What are some of the changes do you think that will take place when we come out the other side of the pandemic? It is obvious that there will be a stress on food. We know with growing population and also with impacts of climate change and now with COVID, we will have a very uh, food insecure situation in the future. And how our communities are working to mitigate or to adapt to this situation is more investment in um, climate smart agriculture, uh, thinking about doing some value addition to some of the crops that they process. I know communities in Zimbabwe, for instance, are thinking if we can't sell our vegetables fresh, what do we need to do so that we can preserve the vegetables before we access the market? And most of them are thinking about very low tech uh, technology of processing some of the food, like drying, so that they can preserve the food. Uh, it will also mean high demand of water that uh, we need to have hand washing facilities at every point, even in the markets, in the bus stops, in the villages, in the calls and in the churches. So we need to start thinking about low technology that can manufacture like the hand washing facilities. And we also see in terms of the savings and loans group changing their way or, or their modalities most of the communities we work with, they do very manual record keeping because of their basic literacy levels. And now without meetings, we need to move this into using technology, virtual record keeping, 
and virtual meetings, having access to that technology or simply thinking about digital money so that they don't have to use their hard cash. So it's a whole change and starting to gradually adapt and see how communities are moving to overcome the challenge is, is an exciting journey ahead. It is very exciting. Lots of great opportunities ahead. Thanks. Thank you, Ben. As always, you can find out more information on our website. Follow the links in the information we've posted on this episode. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Follow and subscribe for news of upcoming episodes. Thanks for listening.